0: Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardis, and today we are breaking down all the DFS goodness ahead of Week 16. Fantasy season long over, good. Use that negative energy and go win some freaking money on DraftKings this weekend. As always, to help you accomplish that task, I am joined by none other than PFF's own prop prophet himself, Andrew Erickson. Andrew, how are you, my friend? Doing good, man. Holidays are coming
1: up. People are listening to this on Christmas Eve, maybe on the way to relatives or what have you, you know, get the get the eggnog, doing whatever. But uh, it's a great time and it's a great time to play DFS because like you said, you know, a lot of people get knocked out a season long and it's a perfect time to make the switch over to uh, Daily Fantasy Sports.
0: Christmas for, you know, Christians and general people might be on December 25th. But for DFS fiends, man, it is week 18. So we are almost there. Getting there, week 16 should be a good time. And Andrew, you know, usually as we go through this, we go through our cash games first, 50-50s, head-to-heads, you know, not worry about the ownership, just trying to build that floor as high as possible. Last couple weeks, I feel like, you know, we've gone through these and we haven't been able to kind of get these six or seven, you know, shoe-ins into the lineup. Not really the case this week, you know, just already looking at, you know, our... Notes that we don't send to each other until the show starts. We are awfully on. We are a lot on the same page here. Not awfully. We are definitely on the same page here. So with that said, let's start things off at quarterback. Started to go down the list. I saw Justin Herbert. I thought that was interesting. I continue to go down the list, and to the to my shock, to my complete just dismay, I see Jalen Hurts at 6,400 against the Giants' defense, he was priced at 7,300 against a mere three or four weeks ago. So, Andrew, I know we can go all the way down to Fields at 5,200 if we want Burroughs set up well, again, against the Ravens under 6K. We can't get off of Jalen Hurts, though.
1: No. I mean, the and the only reservations we would have about playing Jalen Hurts would have been due to his ankle, but we saw him play – and he was fine. Like, he, he was fine. He's good to go. So I, I don't really think that you should have any hesitation to playing Hertz, who's really been, you know, the cash game play all season long, and his salary should be above 7K. It's not. So take full advantage. I mean, they're going to run the football all over the New York Giants. And I think the best part about him is you don't have to, like, stack him with anybody. Like, you can just play him by himself because you don't. they may not throw the ball at all. <laughs> so I think it makes it really simple to play Hurts um, at 6,400. I think he's too cheap.
0: Definitely not Devontae Smith. We just, maybe he does have a big game, but we haven't seen the other concentrated enough targets for him. He hasn't had more than six targets in a game in like two months or something ridiculous. Originally, when I was building this, I went to tight end and I like Dallas Goddard at 5,100. I do think that's cheap, but as we kind of go through these, unless, you know, depending on what kind of happens in Los Angeles, I don't know that we have any true, you know, salary saving options other than going down at tight end, which we'll get to later. So I agree. Can certainly go naked with hurts and not worry about a stacking partner. You know, when you have 10 rushing touchdowns, uh, make things, makes things a little bit easier for you. I saw a really cool stat from uh, Mike Clay ESPN's famed Mike Clay this morning about Jalen Hurts, as I pull it up. Jalen Hurts has 14 carries inside the opponent's five-yard line this season. More than double the next closest quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson and Ryan Tannehill at six. I feel like they start QB sneaking from like the four-yard line when Jalen Hurts is at quarterback, and I freaking love it, man. So lock in Hurts, and we're also locking in our RB1 and RB2. James Robinson, 5,900. David Montgomery, 5,700. The matchup's Borderline erotic Robinson against the Jets, Montgomery against the Seahawks. Like these are best case, and we both have, and we also have guys without Carlos Hyde involved, without Khalil Herbert, Damian Williams, or Tariq Cohen doing anything in Chicago. Like, even if we have these bad offenses in Jacksonville and Chicago, completely shit the bed. It's okay. We'll get dumped off to, you know, our heart's desire. That's how Dave Montgomery's been living these last few weeks, man. Maybe he's not giving you much in the first three quarters. Then he's catching checkdowns the entire 15 minutes of the fourth. So, Robinson, Montgomery, I don't see myself getting off of at all. After that, Andrew, it, it is uh, interesting because I think this is a triple running back in cash week. Looking at the flex... We got a lot of good options, though. There's Sonny Michel, fresh off, seemingly taking over the backfield from Daryl Henderson at 5.5K. Ronald Jones, just a little bit lower at 5.1K, set up exceptionally well, 11-point favorites against the Panthers. Obviously, we have Gio and Lenny Fournette out of the picture, and potentially, Justin Jackson as the RB1 in Los Angeles if Austin Eckler winds up unable to get off the COVID list. Jackson's the cheapest of them all, you know, riding that 4K line, and we also have to consider that he's playing the freaking Houston Texans, so. So Andrew, out of Michelle, let's say Eckler is out. Out of Michelle, Justin Jackson, and Ronald Jones, who are you kind of feeling the best about for that final flex spot?
1: Yeah, I think for me, it's, it's Justin Jackson. I think that the, the price is obviously super appealing down. You know, he's significantly cheaper than both Ronald Jones and Sony Michelle. And I think that when you look at, like, competition-wise – I mean, look, Joshua Kelly, I mean, dude, are they gonna give him the ball at the goal line again? Like I I, I really doubt it because the guy's jumping over the pile and fumbling
0: the ball. That was bad, man.
1: <laughs> and if you look at Jackson the last two weeks alongside Eckler, because they were starting to ease off Eckler a little bit, you know, because they're trying to make a playoff run, extend the longevity of Austin Eckler. Jackson had outsnapped him 62 to 60. He had 24 touches over Eckler's 30. So Justin Jackson has shown that he's already been able to like handle the load for the Chargers and what they're kind of looking for. Again, you could see a scenario where if they're up big, okay, they give Kelly some carries or or round tree at the end of the game. But I think the high value touches is really what you care about with this Chargers running back. And Jackson leads the team in red zone carries over the last two weeks with nine. So he's going to be the guy in the beginning of the game, in the goal line, when they're going to be scoring touchdowns. And that's really what you want. He catches passes. I think that it really takes on Eckler's role in that offense, whereas the other two guys just kind of fill in as change of pace backs in between the tackle grinder running back. So I'm not concerned about Kelly or Roundtree really doing a lot much with Justin Jackson in the fold. So I think I prefer him the most. Ronald Jones, I just have – like, I just like. don't like playing running backs in cash that don't have pass-catching ceilings. like Or like anything like, – I don't know. Maybe it'll be different because for we were kind of like – Fringy about during this year about his pass game role. We saw it in the playoffs, obviously. But Jones is like just been like he runs like stone dead when it comes to catching passes out of the backfield. So maybe if you know Le'Veon Bell is like inactive or something, that like I can feel better about it. But concerns about Ronald Jones in the pass catching. So like if he doesn't find the end zone, it's like okay, he like rush for like 80 yards, like okay, like it's eight points. So concern about that. And I guess like Michelle, I guess I'm a little more convinced that he is kind of the guy who they they favorite over dale henderson i know that we were talking before we got on here about henderson you know easing him back in but it just seems like michelle is kind of just the better rusher like in between the tackles the guy that they like to use a little bit more and the rams haven't really thrown to the running backs a lot anyway for the most because again i mean you, you gotta get cooper cup you know 20 targets a game so <laughs> <laughs> sorry for the running backs but sony michelle's still running a lot of routes so I, I do think that if they do fall behind i think that he still would see some work as a receiver so um I think that I still prefer jackson out of the,
0: out of the three. all fair points and as I continue to build the lineup you know it, it's funny the guys you start with inside your cash game lineup and you're like well I could go down just a couple hundred <laughs> dollars here and all of a sudden get up to Keenan freaking Allen as our third receiver so uh, as I continue to go through this I, I do see where you're coming from with Justin Jackson like we have again I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to poke a single hole other than just the overall offensive environment which I, I get that not exactly a small thing to gloss over but for Robinson Montgomery with the benefit of those added great matchups and the three down rolls. I think you'll be hard-pressed to get off of them. Uh, I like your argument for Justin Jackson. I'm leaning towards him now, myself, if Austin Eckler is going to be out of the picture. I do think Rojo and Michelle, though. Again, man, we were hard-pressed to find like one running back we felt good about last week, I feel <laughs> like, in this conversation. So, no, compared to Robinson, Montgomery, Jackson, I do think Rojo and Michelle aren't quite as strong of plays, but they are certainly cash game viable, as the kids would say. Now, wide receiver. We have enough room. Let's get up to Cooper Cup, 9,100. He is averaging the most PPR points in a single season ever among a wide receiver. <laughs> By ever, I mean in the last 50 years. I- I'll try to find the guy's name later, but there actually was someone in like 1951 that was putting up a similar points. So as long as you can accept that it's the second most technically ever, uh, then you should feel good about Cooper Cup. And then, of course, we got Antonio Brown, basically a consensus wide receiver one in season long. So, of course, let's price him at forty-nine freaking 100 yes we do have to worry about the potential sh- uh, stefan gilmore shadow maybe you know we see brady spread things around otherwise but come on guys antonio brown he should be healthier you know than he's been all season basically having the extra three week suspension to come back from that injury that had him sidelined in the first place should be more than a volume with goblin and evans gone so similar to running back man i do think cooper cup and antonio brown like we have those two for sure after that it does get a little bit more interesting Andrew, Gabriel Davis did a lot of good things for us last week, but I think we have enough room to potentially pay up um, at this final third wide receiver spot. What are kind of your general thoughts on how you want to approach things after AB and Cup?
1: Yeah, I put Davis in to kind of like, all right, like he's a good value, and then I was like, oh well, I actually have way more salary left over, so I was able to kind of move off of Gabriel Davis. And he's, not he's, he's fine
0: like, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah like, it's not like oh, I need to like I can't play Gabriel Davis. Like no, like it, depending on you know different slates, Gabriel Davis would still be a guy that you would have to. If We didn't have you know these cheaper running backs to pay for. You know Gabriel Davis would be someone that we definitely jam in. You know, mm. Manuel Sanders is, is still if he Cole Beasley is, is not going to play. In this game, so I mean, he's going to be again a full time starter, and he's not going to see JC Jackson, and he got a touchdown against the Patriots last time. So I think that Davis is in a good spot, and maybe just someone you play in tournaments instead of in cash. But I was able to get up to you know in the you know end of the five k range, six k range, where guys like T Higgins and Russell Gage, and I just like I just feel really confident about their usage in their offenses. both of them lead their team and target share over the last four weeks over 24 you know both have good matchups you know higgins is playing the ravens they don't have like a secondary anymore like they don't they don't have any cornerbacks left um russell gage is playing the lions so again it's just another good spot where you know chase the targets like these guys are getting targeted and there's really no reason to think that oh well gage is just going to have you know this random dud No, why would he like matt ryan is still the quarterback and he's looking for gage constantly and same thing with t higgins like i know that we're just like waiting on Chase to like have these massive breakout games meanwhile T Higgins is just seen like double digit targets every single week and we're like ah oh, like whatever T Higgins like don't worry about it but he's been really consistent this year despite missing games and he still leads the team in target share so i think Higgins especially you know i always look for like the outlier performances from the guys that we've kind of like buried like when Tyler Boyd has like a massive game I'm like yeah that's probably an outlier like <laughs> like i don't think it's going to happen again with Boyd whereas we see T Higgins and Jamar Chase both like bust colossally last week. Yeah. I don't think we're going to see that happening again, especially because, you know, the matchup could not be any more different. Denver has good cornerbacks. The Ravens do not have good cornerbacks anymore. So I think that those two guys were kind of who I gravitated towards based on the amount of salary I had left.
0: Yeah, I was... It- so my 2v2 I'm kind of facing right now, we've talked about this, Hertz, Robinson, Montgomery, Cup, AB, I think they're locked in. We also agree on Cole Komet as a salary-saving tight end at just 3.3k. Again, there's viable guys. If you say, I want Mark Andrews on my team no matter what, like he is certainly going to you know have the potential to break the slate like he's been doing the last uh, several weeks as well. I do think Dallas Goddard uh, is viable at 5.1, particularly in Hertz lineups. You can even go a little bit cheaper to CJ Uzoma, two touchdowns again. Against this Ravens D last time, you just better hope one of his, you know, three or four targets does go for a score. But if you'd want to go. With Komet, who other than losing some annoying red zone targets to Jimmy Graham, and there's no trade clause. He's
1: never gonna catch a touchdown. Like he's this never, is never gonna, gonna catch happen. a
0: touchdown. But he has like he has more like Andrew. I messaged you before. So it was like we are not pitching Zach Gentry this week. We are not doing it. You can't give me anything about his athleticism or whatever. Like we are not. We're not going sub three k just to go sub three k. Komet. we don't have to do that. He's still three point three, which is more than affordable. So if you're cool with Komet, I do also think the Bears defense at twenty five i thought they were about ready to turn it in for the year man after they gave up like what was it like 84 points or something in like their last two games maybe it was in the 70s but for them to go out against the vikings man shut down kirk and dalvin in that same game despite having you know their offense do next to nothing uh it was impressive going up against the seahawks even if russ turns things around and starts cooking again which is a huge if, let's face it, like haven't seen that really going on. We know he's the type of quarterback to take, you know, three to five sacks potentially, even in a game where he's playing well, because that's just the nature of his style. So I think Bears defense at 2,500 is the cheapest you can go and feel good about it. So with that in mind, the 2v2 I'm facing, man, it's like, do I want to go Justin Jackson and I can get all the way up to Keenan Allen potentially against the Texans? No Austin Eckler should be getting absolutely fed targets. He's already been getting fed targets. Or do I want to go Ronald Jones and then jamar chase who we saw go for 200 freaking yards against this Ravens secondary uh earlier in the season so i kind of lean jackson and keenan right now but that's kind of where i'm at andrew and it's good to have the rest of the spots figured out i think it's a good problem to have
1: yeah i, I think that in a cat i mean for me i think it's clear like i would play the chargers guys in a cash format and then i think the other two were better suited for tournaments because like Ronald Jones is is so
0: much higher for yeah
1: I I feel like I feel like Ronald. I mean I like Ronald Jones like a tournament play I guess I don't know like how popular he he will end up being so maybe I'll have to change my tune on that but I mean he's so like game script dependent like he needs to catch a bunch he needs to score a lot of touchdowns like he's not correlated at all to Brady so it's like a totally like playing off of if you're gonna play Brady stacks like you don't want to play Ronald Jones with him and vice versa and then I mean Chase like. I mean, dude, the guy either gets like, it's like Joe Burrow, like Joe Burrow, his last five games, he has two games over 300 passing yards and three games under 200 passing yards. So he's like kind of become, you know, the poster boy of like GBP quarterbacks because he either does literally nothing and is still like efficient and still like finishes like a fringe top 15 quarterback or he, you know, just goes off because Chase and it's all predicated on if Chase like delivers that like 80 yard touchdown. Mm -hmm.
0: It's nice when it works, but uh when it doesn't, you get that you know, one catch, three yards, zero <laughs> touchdowns we saw last week against the Broncos. Quickly to summarize quarterback cash, we are rolling with Jalen Hurts at running back. Definitely prioritize James Robinson and David Montgomery. After that, Justin Jackson is our preferred flex, but Ronald Jones and Sonny Michelle are also more than viable. Wide receiver locking in Cooper Cup, locking in Antonio Brown. After that, we got guys like Jamar Chase, like T. Higgins, like Keenan Allen, like Gabriel Davis that you can miss around with potentially even someone like russell gage and Amon Ross st brown depending on jared Goff's status i think we'll talk more about him in a little bit tight end we're going down as low as you can go basically the Cole commit at 3300 yuzoma is there if you really want to have you know a tilting sunday potentially you can also go up obviously higher to dallas goddard mark andrews whoever you want if you want to pay up but again i think we're more than happy with the other options we can get a running back and wide receiver by paying down there and finally with the defense bears at 2500 preferred cheap play of the week. Moving on to tournaments now. We are trying to win against hundreds of thousands of people, take home that melee. You know, Andrew, I like to think if I won the melee, we'd still be back here uh next week talking about everything again. Maybe not though. Like who knows? That's a lot of money. So, I might just go on a week-long bender or something fun <laughs> like that. So, let's let's try to find out what would happen in that situation by breaking down our favorite tournament plays. We love Hurts and Cash. We always love Hurts and Cash. But you already kind of alluded to this, Andrew. Joey Burrow, one of the best GPP quarterbacks out there right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's really what we're looking for with Burrow. You know, he destroyed this Ravens secondary the last time he played them. Matches up really well based on the way that they run their coverage. You know, he's PFF's highest-graded quarterback. So, you know, that, that matters to an extent because we know Burrow is good. Like, we know that he's an efficient quarterback. And ultimately, a lot of the time, efficiency will trump Volume at the quarterback position. But then when you combine the two, that's when you see like these 40 point games from these quarterbacks. So we know that Burrow can be efficient. And when I was just like looking at like pace for the games on the slate, like there really weren't a lot of games that like stood out to me as like these two teams like run fast or like play fast. I actually couldn't find like any of them except for the Bengals and Ravens game. And this is why, you know, I did play a little Tyler Huntley last week because I liked the pace of play with Ravens and Packers. And that ultimately kind of led me to playing a little bit of, of Huntley, which ended up being like one of my best tournament lineups. And I kind of want to do it again, whether it's Huntley or Lamar Jackson under center. Like I do think that this game has a chance to be more up-tempo. And when you just look across the slate, you're just like, gross, gross, gross. <laughs> <laughs> like, like like, what games can I stack? And this one to me, it seemed like it has a lot of good options, a lot of big playmakers so, yeah, I think Burrow, you exactly know who to target with. You have two guys coming off bad games, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, despite the fact that they have been you know, combined for over 50% of the target share all season long. Like We know if Burrow has a big game, it's going to be Chase and it's going to be Higgins. Like It's not going to be Boyd. And you can even throw in Uzuma, who was the tight end one the last time he played yeah. the Ravens. And the Ravens have been bad against tight ends this year. So there's a lot of ways where you can spin it with Burrow. And,
0: yeah, so I like Burrow this week. When you look at Burrow this year, I mean, the reason like why I was so off on Tyler Boyd like in season long was because I thought the volume they had last year would carry over to this year and they would be have enough throws to enable three fairly consistent, you know, wide receiver twos in fantasy land. Because last year, Burrow, in eight of his 10 games, he had at least 35 pass attempts and, and the game he got hurt, he was at 34. So basically 90% of the time he was clearing 35 pass attempts. This year, he has only done that four times. And when you look at those games, loss, loss, to the Packers, uh, blowout loss to the Browns, blowout loss to the Chargers. These games that, yeah, had the negative game script in there. The one game that didn't, though, where he still threw the ball 38 times was this first matchup against the Ravens. I know that was, you know, kind of during a time where Joe Mixon was a little bit more banged up. But don't look now, Andrew. He's kind of banged up as well at the moment. I think Zach Taylor, while he doesn't want to throw or push the pace too much in this Bengals offense throughout the year. Maybe just maybe he realizes that the best path to taking down this Ravens defense is by letting Joey B. Cook. And that was when Marlon Humphrey and some of these other guys were still out there. So you know the big thing, the highlight I think in the way they play defense versus Burrow, this Ravens defense, like they are one of just six defenses to blitz opponents on at least thirty percent of their dropbacks. And Burrow this year, number two in PFF passing grade against the blitz, number one in yards per attempt, six in QB rating. He went ten for fifteen for two hundred forty-four yards and two touchdowns when the Ravens blitzed him and their first matchup i mean you know the ravens uh Dwayne and i were talking about this on our pod um previewing all the games like the ravens this year they run man coverage basically more than anyone even and they haven't changed that despite losing their top cornerback. so they've always just kind of been like it's our system we're gonna do it the way we see fit similar to seahawks and The seahawks just run zone all the damn time so i really think this matchup for burrow for higgins for chase could provide the same sort of fireworks we saw the first time around only other quarterbacks I would quickly throw out there. Uh, I don't, you know, quarterbacks, we never see any single quarter, quarterback. Usually, you know, the clips form like 10% of ownership. So we don't need to worry about the chalk quite as much, at least with a signal caller involved. So I think Matthew Stafford against just that miserable Viking secondary could make a lot of sense. I mean, if you go back and look what Odo Beckham did to these guys in Cleveland, I know he only had two catches, but he should have had three touchdowns if Baker was worth a single damn that afternoon because Cameron Dansler. 60th highest-grade cornerback among 127 qualified guys. Patrick Peterson, 90th. Mackenzie Alexander, 125th. So they got rid of Bashad Breland. They still pretty much suck all the way around. So Stafford, but Cup, yeah, that makes sense. Don't be afraid to throw OBJ and or Van Jefferson in there as well. And finally, Justin Herbert, potential to throw a little bit more against Houston without Eckler. Also gets you off the Justin Jackson chalk a little bit to go that route. Now, Andrew, running back, we love Robinson. We love Montgomery, Michelle, Jackson, Rojo, maybe. Things can go great if it works out. But there's some pivots there in tournaments where we're going to want to get off these chalky guys. One guy in particular you have listed that I love is none other than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Potentially no Tyreek. Potentially no Kelsey. What better time than to feature your freaking RB1 (laughs) that you took in the first round? Oh, yeah, against the Pittsburgh Steelers defense that is dead last in yards before contact at Lopper Carey.
1: Yeah. I think it's really that simple. The Chiefs are down offensive playmakers through the air, and they've shown that they will follow a certain approach, regardless of or kind of what's going to work. You know, last week, you know, they could have ran the ball against the Chargers, but they decided to throw it with Mahomes, and it was really effective. So that's what they kept on doing. And this week, I just think it makes so much sense for them to feed Edwards layer against the Pittsburgh Steelers' which is run defense that is ranked dead last in terms of rushing yards allowed per game over the last four weeks, 164 and a half. So I know CH wasn't great last week, just 32 yards on nine carries, but I mean, he's still the 1A in the backfield. I know that they like to mix in Darrell Williams here and there, but I mean, yeah, like you said, they drafted him in the first round and they don't have their top two guys potentially. So let's use it. Like, come on. like Even if he like has like one good game, it's like all the justification behind Sony Michelle getting drafted by the Patriots in the first round is because of that playoff run he had. It's like, fine. Like <laughs> all is forgiven. Like he was good for three games and it mattered the most. So they need to lean on Everett Slayer in the spot. So I think too, because of his price range around all those other guys, I think he's 100 dollars cheaper than Robinson. I think that he makes a lot of sense. I just don't think he's going to get necessarily a ton of rostership, potentially, because there are, you know, safer options, better three down running backs that are involved through all facets. Like there's no like committee with some of these other guys. Whereas Everett Flair, it's like, well, if you just look at the matchup, like other than Robinson, like he's probably right next in line just because of how bad the Steelers have been against the run
0: this year. Other tournament running back I throw out there. Josh Jacobs as a pivot off of James Robinson again. Sitting there at 5.9K. Yeah, I could see a situation where the Jaguars offense can't move the ball because of the freaking Jaguars we'll go with it in cash. Volume is volume, but in tournaments, Clyde at 5.8K or just a little bit more, Josh Jacobs at 6K at home against Drew Locke and the Broncos. I know Jacobs in this Raiders offense really ever since Ruggs was out of the picture, they've been struggling. Thanksgiving's been the only time they've scored even more than 16 points, but we have a workhorse three down running back. Again, in a bad offense and in a game script that should really benefit him. I understand the Broncos defense isn't as bad as the Jets or not as bad as the Seahawks. They're, They're much better than both those groups but hey they have drew lock and as much as i love watching drew lock be entertainingly bad i think we could all see how this game gets away from them sets up the raiders with some short field and jacobs is you know your best bet to go find the end zone in those situations so jacobs just one of these guys i think you know any running back that can get 20 touches a week we know that they have you know the potential for 100 plus yards and multiple scores also i'd be remiss, andrew if i didn't let you go talk about this next guy King State Kings Cordero Patterson we got the Lions not getting a ton of targets lately but it's not like his you know workload has been cut down by on a, on a route basis you know when we look at our when we look at this every single week I feel like there are certain defenses you know Texans Jets Jaguars we want to line up and play guys against them and the Lions certainly fall in that category yeah here we are 30 man 10 we haven't talked about any Falcons players yet let's talk some cpat
1: yeah, Cordero Patterson, you know, it was, it was a rough week last week for him. You know, he had 21 rushing yards, 18 of which, or he had, no, he had 18 rushing yards, 21 of which came after contact. Sheesh. So the the offensive line was just getting trucked by the 49ers defensive line, which actually is the best defense in terms of yards before contact. You know, they are getting into the backfield, like more often than most other defenses this year. So, you know, we'll see how the the Titans run game, you know, goes on Thursday night after that game has already been played. But, I think patterson you know maybe people have soured on him like he's always a guy that you know i haven't just like struggled to click the button on and a lot of metrics i'm like oh like you know his, his past game usage isn't you know as good as i want it to be like there's still like sprinkling mike davis here and there but i, I kind of throw that stuff away when the matchup is just is so great and especially last week because the dude he scored a touchdown like he was in the end zone and they called it they overturned it like despite there's like no conclusive evidence like if it had been called short of a touchdown on the field, then they should have kept that. But yeah. because they called it a touchdown on the field, I mean there was no like evidence whatsoever that said, oh yeah, let's clearly he's not in the end zone. <laughs> like and then they got stuffed the next three plays. Right, exactly. Uh. So nobody would have complained about oh like Batterson like busted my fantasy championship, like <laughs> screw this guy. It's like, dude, like he literally scored a touchdown, and they just called it back. Yeah. And, and nobody would have cared. He would have been fine. So again, before that, you know, he's rushed for 58 rushing yards, at least three straight games. He's been averaging 15 yards or 15 carries per game before last week. So, Lions, six most rushing yards left running backs in the last four weeks. Yeah, I think that Patterson, you know, he's an explosive guy. Some people are concerned about, oh, is he starting to kind of wear down as the season goes on? But hey, man, like you said, kings say kings. So, <laughs> I'm going to be playing Patterson this week.
0: That's that's, that's all we needed to say about it. We didn't need to throw in (laughs) the rest of it. All right, let's look at some wide receivers. You know, obviously when we pitch quarterbacks on here, we're stacking them with some of their top options. So when I was talking to Herbert, yes, Keenan Allen, but don't forget about Mike Williams coming off a bad game. Houston, though, ranks 31st in yards per attempt allowed when opponents throw the ball at least 20 yards downfield. And once again, if Eckler is going to be sidelined, I think it would make sense if these wide receivers get more involved uh, on a per-down basis with Stafford. Yes, Cup, and also, yes, OBJ and Van Jefferson, particularly Jefferson. I think, you know, all things equal, I think we can kind of think, expect OBJ and Van to have similar roles on a per week basis. Would expect OBJ to carry the heightened ownership, though. And then with Burrow, obviously, Jamar Chase and T Higgins. I will say, though, Rojo, yeah, there are some pitfalls there. The one guy going a little bit under the radar here, and you know he's been in some waiver-wire columns and all that, but what about Tyler Johnson, just at 3.9K, man? I know he let us down earlier in this year when he was kind of replacing Antonio Brown in the lineup, but that really wasn't what he was built for. Like Tyler Johnson is their number four receiver, but specifically, he's Chris Goblin's backup in the slot. So when they lost him originally, they didn't have Scotty Miller, they didn't have Rashad Perryman yet, Jalen Darden was still still, you know, I think learning the offense. We haven't seen him get consistent reps really all year and more so uh, just a few lately. So Johnson now in the slot, like Goblin's not coming back, man. I I don't think they're going to be content to just force feed AB and Gronk, you know, 15 targets a game for the stretch run. They're going to need to find a consistent third option. And Tyler Johnson should be that guy taking over where Brady likes to throw the ball most. So specifically in this matchup, we've seen Stephon Gilmore shadow Russell Gage and Stephon Dick over the past two weeks and did a pretty damn good job. Look, it's AB at 4.9K. Like He's way too cheap to even consider fading and cash. But if you want to pivot off of one of the more chalky wide receivers in the slate to someone that still has a great matchup and Tom Brady under center, I think Tyler Johnson is your guy at just 3.9K. Also in the mid 5K range, you know, Russell Gage, 5.9K, Amon Ross St. Brown, 5.6K. If Jared Goff is off the COVID list, look, these slot receivers, like I think we have this kind of fallacy in our heads that these... Uh, slot receivers that aren't ripping off, you know, the eighty-yard touchdowns like don't have upside. Especially on a full PPR site like DraftKings, man, we'll take eight plus catches, ninety yards. I'll take eight catches for ninety yards rather than four catches for ninety yards. Like, who cares? It's better. We'll take the extra points eight days of the week. So keep that in mind when you look at these slot receivers like upside is kind of like a term that I think we don't necessarily use um correctly all the time in fancy land we talked about Gabriel Davis already also just a few cheap punts at 3.5k or under Zay Jones now that you know he actually did miss practice on Wednesday so keep an eye on that but Zay Jones at 3.5k has been getting the targets because defense has finally snapped and we're like all right enough with this 57 white receiver just beating us every week we're <laughs> going to bracket Renfro LaQuan Trevo at 3.5k and Nico Collins at 3.4K with Brandon Cooks out. So that's my spiel, Andrew. I know you like uh, Mike Williams this week, and I kind of talked about that. But what about, maybe just maybe, the man that hasn't had a top 20 finish since week four, but we know how talented he is. DJ Moore, Sam Darnold, maybe going to be back for a bit. Cam Newton's still starting. It's a mess under center, but all the targets continue to go DJ Moore's way, man.
1: Yeah, like I think DJ Moore runs a route, gets open and just sees the ball and is like, I don't even know who threw this ball, but <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to go up and catch it. I mean, the guy just makes continuously such sick catches every single week, like these one handed grabs. I'm just like, oh, like, can we get this guy cornerback, please? So, 35% target share over the last four weeks with Cam Newton under center. Uh, he went 0 for 2 on his deep targets last week. I mean, he was like wide open for like a long touchdown at oh, to Cam, it was bad, just man. like. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Like, he had to, like, stop, try to, like, come back to the ball. So it's, bad. Like, it was so bad. It was atrocious. So, hey, maybe they just bring Sam Darnold just to, like, chuck it deep. I know <laughs> Darnold can, can throw the ball downfield. But I, don't, I don't know how actually it is. But, yeah, I just think that – I think the Bills' secondary is still, like, suspect. You know, they got ripped to shreds by the Bucks, And, obviously, the Patriots didn't have to throw against them. So, they don't have Tredavis White. I really think that matters. I really don't think that their season-long statistics, you know, being number one against wide receivers or top five or whatever, isn't necessarily indicative of how elite they are. I know that they Jackson has stepped up in Tre'Davious White's place pretty
0: well, but yeah, I mean I that was more, last week. But I, I would say, man, this now DJ going up against the Bucks that is a healthier secondary. He he needs to kind of be dealing with.
1: Yeah, but yeah. I do think that. I mean, how, I just don't think they're going to run the football like they yeah. they Chuba Hubbard <laughs> like. I think that the volume again is going to be. That's the thing. It's really a volume play and just a bet on DJ Moore as a, a talent. Now again, like he's also dealing with like a hamstring injury, so that's why like he would not play this guy like, anywhere near cash. But if you're you're know, stacking the bucks, you need to bring back option DJ Moore. Like he's the guy. So that's who I would kind of gravitate towards um, in some tournament lineups for you know Buccaneer stacks with DJ Moore as my primary bring back. Other guy I think is kind of interesting. So Nicole Hardman with. Tyreek Hill potentially out now. I'm like
0: 3.5,
1: man. So, so it, I'm trying to like wrap my, and I kind of want to get your thoughts on it too. I was trying to like wrap my mind around, you know, I, cause I feel like I've been in this position before. It's like, all right, like this guy's out, like Nicole Hartman Cause like we've seen this before with like other chiefs receivers have missed time and we thought McCole Hartman would have a bigger role, but then he ended up <laughs> like not having a bigger role. But we know that like, he is kind of been like the Tyreek Hill, like quote unquote, like yeah. backup for most of it. It's kind of how they'd used him. So, I expect his role to at least somewhat increase. I mean, he's like at practice all week. Like, there is no Terry Kill at practice. So I got to imagine, like, they're like, okay, like let's get this, let's do some more plays for Nicole Hardman and just in case we don't have Terry Kill. Like, let's get some stuff for him going. We know he's explosive. We know he can make these massive plays. Whereas, like, Byron Pringle, like, I'm confident like, he's going to be out there the most, but he has kind of been out there already. He just hasn't really been getting targeted. Whereas Hardman, when he is out on the field, like, he gets the ball. He's a high, you know, target rate per route run, 22%. So, um, I think like when I was trying to like decide between the two guys, I think that I ultimately decided on just chasing Hardman's upside. I think that again, like he has like a floor where, well, yeah, he just ran like 10 routes and, you know, to do anything like that still, I think is, is a fear, which is why like I would to be too afraid to play him in cash, even if Terry Hill doesn't end up going but i get the appeal from a tournament standpoint it kind of like similar to like the tyler johnson versus like a brashad perryman where i think johnson is probably like the safer projection because mm-hmm. we know he's going to be on the field the entire time from the slot but we also know like perryman could be the guy that takes the ball off the top make the big plays on the outside where we, we really are relying on johnson to see like that chris godwin type volume um so that's kind of the way i was kind of looking at those certain situations um i'm not sure if you have any other thoughts on hardman
0: no, I, I think when we saw Tyreek miss some time in past years, it was more so expected for Hardman like, to come in, immediately start balling, and he didn't, and because of that, I think people are kind of salty on him, and we also throw in that Mahomes has been awfully up and down over the past two months when he's not playing the Raiders or having Kelsey <laughs> and Hill just go going the hell off, so... Like, if Miko was like chalk of the week, no, I would be fading him. Like, absolutely not. But looking at our, you know, projected ownership, which you can find on PFF.com, he is coming in like under 3% already. And at 3.5K, man, like, that's just a nice punt in a way you can kind of differentiate uh your roster. So, you know, I mentioned before, like, all we really have is like Zay Jones, Laquan Treble, Nico Collins. I don't think people are going to really be going that cheap at wide receiver. And look at all the value we have at running back, you know, and everyone we talked about there and that five. K range so if you really want to differentiate your lineup a little bit I think it could be Paying up at running back, you know, going after your Najee Harris's or Cordero Patterson's, uh, maybe your Dalvin Cook's of the world. Go up, get those guys. And how can you do it? Go down to these wide receivers that, yeah, they do have upside. There is a path to the potential number one receiver on the Chiefs now to have a big game. Like no one would be shocked if Nicole Hardman goes for over 100 and a tutty. Like it's possible when we got Mahomes under center. So why not take that route in tournaments this week? Like that call. Now. At Kyle Pitts, 5.8K at home versus the Lions. If it was ever going to happen, you would like to think it could be in this spot this week. You know, not completely sold on it. It has been Kyle Pitts. It's been rough. But hey, man, last week he did finally get open deep, caught a nice 49-yard rainbow downfield. I was surprised to see Matt Ryan is actually our highest, or he's our best passer. He's not just the highest guy, you know, whatever. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But he has the highest adjusted completion rate this year on passes thrown at least 20 yards downfield good for pits and he almost had like he would have had over 100 yards last week i think if they would have given him this like it was almost picked i just kind of looked away and they kept reviewing it and i was like what are they doing uh similar thing like the dallas goddard Uh, Kicked interception. I was like, why are we still watching this play? Like, what's, and then you kind of see what happens. So it was almost picked downfield, but Kyle Pitts like ripped it out of the guy's hands and it looked like he got two feet down, but didn't. So finally, I was starting to see this dude like make some actual like great plays that weren't just based on volume. And again, it's the freaking Lions. So Gage, pits don't count off this passing attack against Detroit um, and then also if you just want to stay a little cheaper though Foster Moreau Gerald Everett 3.7k 3.8k obviously make sure Waller's out of the picture but I think those guys are viable you know kind of pump plays as well and would we just note if you take away positional designation you put wide receivers and tight ends together Mark Andrews Travis Kelsey and George Kittle are top 12 wide receivers and tight ends. So they're just still top 12 scorers. I know Kittle's playing on Thursday, but truly, if Kelsey plays, obviously Andrew's out there, like you can put someone like Foster Moreau or Gerald Everett in your tight end spot and then not be afraid to flex Mark Andrews and or Travis Kelsey out there as well. So just some notes there. Andrew, though, the one guy that has just been consistently balling here with Minshew with Hurts is Dallas Goddard at 5.1k. And I know the Eagles don't make a habit of passing it, but I almost feel better about Goddard's floor than a lot of these guys because just the amount of, you know, quick RPO play actions like dump offs where Hertz is pretty much like just still reading a guy with the ball in his hands. Then all of a sudden Goddard has a bunch of green grass ahead. I know he's gone off in two straight weeks, but man, it's a great player. He's got a big role. Who's to say it can't be three in a row?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's taken over kind of as the the number one pass catcher. You know, he has 15 targets in his last two games, over 100 yards the last two games. And if you look at the Giants, they rank dead last in the NFL in terms of red zone targets allowed to tight ends. So that's what you need. Now, if you're going to pay $5,100 for a tight end, like they either need to go over 100 yards or score a touchdown. And I think that the touchdown equity is really good for Dallas Goddard here because if Jalen Hurts throws a touchdown, if he doesn't run it in, like – I can almost bet that it's going to be going to Dallas Goddard or, you know, one of these tight ends. He's the one that's obviously featured the most, you know, since Zach Ertz has been gone, you know, he's been running, his usage is elite, and you know, he's running around over 85% of Jalen Hurts dropbacks. So, I mean, yeah, he's got everything you want. And again, he's a way to get off of, you know, probably very chalkier Mark Andrews, Gronk Gronkowski, I expect to be pretty popular without Chris Godwin in the full potentially yeah. Mike Evans. So, Again, I think that he probably has similar up. Maybe it, 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 again, it like depends on like game script. So you need to build your lineup because because the fear is that the Eagles just like don't throw the ball at all, and like that's why he like doesn't get it done. Like that's yeah. the path to him failing, which is kind of why I would probably stay away from it in cash. I just like don't like paying up for the middle range tight ends. I'm like, yeah. but tight ends suck in general, so I'm just like, alright, I'm just gonna punt it. And that way <laughs> if they suck, then it doesn't matter. <laughs> which is why like Komet, you know, sticks out to me because I know like he's not really like a tournament guy because he. Can't score touchdowns. It's like not going to happen as long as Jimmy Graham just has that damn no trade clause. (laughs) But um, I also like as well to mention so Jared Cook, I think so he's kind of in that same 3K range. And basically, like, I look at Cook as kind of the anti Cole Komet where like his targets really aren't super consistent but you know the potential for I can't imagine Donald Parham's gonna play in this game so just one less tight end to kind of feed towards and he has touchdown equity you know, the Texans have given up a lot of touchdowns to tight ends this year Um, and you know Justin Herbert's gonna throw for a lot of scores in this game potentially especially if there is no Austin Eckler so Jared Cook kind of sticks out to me as the tournament guy where his target share may not be they pop off the screen but he probably has a little bit more touchdown, he definitely has more touchdown equity than Colt Kmet does, like, I, I, can, I feel pretty confident in saying that, so that's one of the other tight ends that I like, Uzuma, I know we hit on, uh, when we're talking about the Bengals, I mean, look, he just blows up against the Ravens, like, like, that's what you're betting on, like, he has really good usage, like, he runs a ton of routes, he's on the field a lot for the Bengals now, he's, like, basically just doing cardio, you know, he's one of the cardio kings this year at the tight end position, but if he's ever going to have a big game, massive game last time he played the Ravens. So definitely in his range of outcomes. And then, you know, you want to just save all the money. You know, Look, Brevin Jordan would have worked last week ah, if the team yeah. had just decided like, not to play him because some reason, like, oh, yeah, like we're going to make him active, but then not play him because he had this hand injury. It would have been nice to know, like, ahead of time, like, that was their plan. So, yeah, I mean, he's super fringy, but he's not on the injury report this week. So... He's gonna play and his target rate per route run is still very, very high because he ran zero routes last week. So (laughs) look, the Chargers, we saw them. What did they do to Travis Kelsey? Just got absolutely ripped by the tight end position. Like they have actually done a lot this season. So Brevin Jordan, I will be playing again. And yeah, I'm just gonna like pretend that last week didn't happen.
0: That was a frustrating one, but yeah, nothing uh, obviously we can do about that when they're active, but they just decide not yeah, to Yeah, man,
1: it's, it's it's like super annoying that like, you know, like after the game starts, you know, he was in like one of my like bigger tournament lineups too, because I'm like, I want to punt tight ends. Like, so I'm like looking like, yep, yeah, he's active. Uh, Jordan Akins is getting all the rep, reps though, because he's dealing with his hand and just like, so like, why is he playing, man? If he like can't actually get in the game, like, oh God, I was like, tight end, man, killing me. But hey, it's cheaper now. So save $300. Like, mm. hey, I'm going back to it.
0: With uh, Jared Cook, it's interesting. As you know, contrary to popular belief, I'm not 100% on my lifelong like rankings, so I'm not always right on all these guys. And I was surprised <laughs> to see Jared Cook come in with our PFF projections, which Kevin Cole always does such a great job um, updating and all that, coming in as the tight end six this week, only behind Kittle, Pitts, Gronk, Andrews, and Goddard. So, no, I don't have him personally ranked tight end six, but you know, I definitely smart, don't have 10 and 6. <laughs> smart gu- and, and, you know, projection, projections are different than uh than rankings. We're not going to get into how and why and all that. But just goes to show that, again, in this matchup with that touchdown equity, uh, there is certainly a uh, path for Jared Cook to post an upside tight M1 performance. Quickly on the defenses. Andrew, got any other notes?
1: No, I, I think that you know Seattle makes a lot of sense against the Bears if you have a little bit more money to spend. But I was actually able to, like to kind of get up to them in cash, just kind of the way that I had built one of my laps. Like, all right, like Seahawks' defense, like, yeah, it's not a great defense, but the Bears' offense is just one of these offenses that is just dysfunctional. You know, it's kind of why we like the Bears' defense because I think that's the perfect way to describe Seattle's offense, just, like, dysfunctional. Like, it just doesn't, like, what is it trying to be? We don't know, and, you know, they're just a mess. So I think that the Seahawks' DST makes sense. Um Jaguars again with James Robinson like man like the Jaguars defense has to do something like one of these weeks where it makes sense and last week of course it was the Texans D you know that was the better play and now this week it's Jets versus Jaguars defense is trying to decide between the two so uh but yeah just gonna play Jaguars defense and kind of like when I mean, you're gonna mention it but you know Jaguars D with James Robinson because it's yeah. one of those good running back DST stacks
0: yeah, just uh and you know, every week I try to just point out some easy correlations with the starting running back and the defense when it's actually like a decent enough matchup for the defense. As Andrew stated, a great tournament running back this week, Cordero Patterson. Pair him up with the Falcons defense, they could be facing Tim Boyle. Also with the Jets, you know. Kevin Coleman worn it out last week but Michael Carter still had you know the higher snaps all that all the target share things of that nature and they are facing Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars so Carter and that Jets defense new uh new favorite pastime of mine Andrew you know the Jets dancing video from a couple years ago I tweet out like a madman one of my buddies uh is basically now sending me that video with a different song piped over it every week so I got like a (laughs) I got a blink 182 mashup version ready to go out Sunday morning let's get the jets d going again baby i don't think a single person in that video is still on the <laughs> jets d but uh you could imagine we also got uh Devontae williams and melvin gordon seems like there's more reason to run than ever for the broncos might as well get that defense against Derek carr and the raiders who we all, all, all know have a low floor and on the other side of things why not josh jacobs and the raiders defense going up against drew lock and the broncos Finally, again, we're talking about just a kind of easy way to make a contrarian tournament lineup this week. Pay up at running back, pay down at wide receiver, Joe Mixon and the Bengals going up against either a banged up version of Lamar Jackson or Tyler Huntley, who, hey, great, great game, man. But he still runs around, takes some sacks. I don't think any of us would be surprised if he works in some turnovers there. So that's going to wrap up our tournament breakdown. Andrew, what is your favorite stack of the week?
1: Yeah, so again, I'm going I'm going back to the Bengals with Joe Burrow. Again, we saw him go off against the Ravens last time he played them. I think it's a good spot in, in a, a week where there's not a lot of games I really like to stack. And actually, know, yeah, I want to get your thoughts. So this, this Broncos-Raiders game, so I believe the spread is a half point towards the Raiders. It's in a dome. We have Drew Locke starting. And I'm, like, really having trouble trying to get a read on, like, how i think this because i think that there is a chance that we see some like fantasy points scored in this game you know, you have the raiders defense that's not very good yep. you know drew lock can be wild and kind of create you know kind of like through through his own well-doing like kind of make games more fun like you've you've alluded to that like yep. he makes games more entertaining so with the, the spread so close like I'm I'm trying to figure out, like, I I actually didn't mention him, but he was one of the receivers I kind of thought was interesting in tournaments. Was actually like, quote, Sutton. Like, Sutton has been like absolutely a dead zero with Bridgewater at quarterback, you know, the last basically six weeks of the season. But last week he saw 24% target share, had 143 air yards, and, you know, Lock lock targets him deep. Like, that's the biggest issue with Sutton. Like, we know he wins downfield, and the last time Sutton played the Raiders, this is his last good game of the year. You know, eight, 8 of 14 targets for 94 yards and a touchdown. Like, dude, his player props, 20 and a half receiving yards. He can get Cortland, that one catch. For one catch. Corlin Sutton. Two receptions. It's the same as Albert O. Two oh receptions. God. It's like, we've hit like rock bottom with, with Corlin Sutton. I'm just like, but Drew Locke is the quarterback now. Like, And I think that that gives some reason of a semblance of change. Like, yeah. with Teddy Bridgewater, I, I had zero confidence in Sutton whatsoever, but I don't think we should totally overlook the fact that it's a totally different quarterback that is known for being uber aggressive down the field. You know, if they fall behind, which could happen in this game, even though I think the Broncos have a better defense. I mean, the the point spread is only half a point. So Drew Lockett throw a pick six or whatever. And if they're playing from behind, it's like, oh man, like we could see some of these Broncos receivers
0: actually do something. And they're all cheap enough where, again, this fits the pay down a wide receiver and pay up elsewhere strategy.
1: Yeah. So I just thought this game was kind of interesting. I feel like... It's just like hard for me to get a read on how I think it's going to play games because like the running backs like kind of make sense from a perspective. The receivers make a lot of sense. You have guys. I'm not sure if you had like a particular take on how you think this game kind of might flow.
0: I see the Broncos try, try and do what they do with Teddy, man. That's just run the piss yeah. out of the ball, and I'm not positive the Raiders are necessarily going to be able to stop it. They have been better against the pass and the run throughout this year. With that said, man, we just saw this Raiders team not be able to run that's, and Yeah, that's stomp. what I need mean. it's it's like the Nick Brown. So
1: Nick Mullins, dude, like this. So yeah. am just like-, like all right,
0: I'm fine. Cherry picking a player here and there, I just don't think this has you know what it takes to really boom. Like if we were seeing more consistency out of the Raiders than maybe, but I don't think I'm going to try game stack it by by any stretch.
1: So you're there. not you're not double stacking Drew Lock.
0: No, Is that not quite, not this <laughs> week. But you know it would fit my. Uh, <laughs> 2021 narrative. C first, <laughs> then Duke Johnson. Dude, then. I'm
1: saying, man. You know, the only should the True one is heart.
0: at the, uh, the heart the hardest trinity. is Trinity. Heart is trinity. <laughs> and then we'll get the Triforce force with uh, Chris Herndon rolling out later <laughs> this year. Uh, real quick, just a fun stack. I'm going go with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and then bring it back with Marquise Brown on the other side of things. I know he hasn't boomed in a while, but at least five catches, I believe in six straight, might even be seven consecutive games. We know that against this, you know. Not a bad group of uh, Sensi Corners, but the thing is, there's Shadobi Awuzier, there's Mike Hilton, they're top 15 in PFF coverage grade. Then there's Eli Apple, who's, I, I believe, 80th at this point. So really is a sore thumb out there, and I think Hollywood can take advantage of that one. Now, Andrew... 2-0 last week with the props. Man, dominant. Did not even have to sweat these. You said Justin Fields would go over 180.5 passing yards. He finished with 285. Also said over 45.5 rushing yards for Deontay Foreman. He finished with 108. What do you got for the people this week?
1: Yep. Yeah, so going right back to the overs, because this was the first week on the Prize Picks article I do with Ben Brown, where we went four and up and we just hit all overs. It was like, well, we should have been doing this all year. Like, why are we betting unders? Let's just go over. So uh, I'm going to head back to the over here with Cordero Patterson. So his rushing yards prop is at 47 and a half rushing yards. And, you know, I talked about Patterson as a GPP play, but basically it's for all the same reasons. Like last week, I think that it's just the last week's performance really tanked his, his rushing line, you know, his projection when he had been over 58 rushing yards in the three games prior, he's averaging 15 carries per game. Like he's still like the running back one in the offense and he's playing the Lions. So I think that he gets past this one easily at 47 and a half. He's explosive. I'm not concerned about the Lions defense trying to stop him because it should be a close game too. So it's not be like he get game scripted out where they're not running the football. So I think CPAT is in a good spot to go over 47 and a half rushing yards. And then you know there's a lot of value to be you know had with some of these broncos receivers like props because they're like all over the place when it comes to and basically i'm taking the overs on the really low ones and i'm taking the unders on the highest ones. so you know they have jerry judy at four receptions and it's like there's no like indication whatsoever that Drew Locke is going to number one favor jerry judy at all um he definitely tried throwing the ball last year and like that was a, <laughs> an epic failure that just like did not work at all and when he and what he's played this season You know, Jerry Judy has not been near the top in terms of target share. It's been Fant, Sutton, Tim Patrick, basically everybody else except Jerry Judy. So the fact that his receiving or his receptions is at four and is the highest among all the Denver receivers just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. So I think it's a safer bet to bet on the under with the Broncos receiver that, you know, the the market has kind of as the highest. And when you look at the Raiders defense, they actually rank fifth in the fifth fewest terms of. Targets to slot wide receivers this season. So you have you know the strength with the slot receiver. You have a different quarterback under center, like Judy. I begin the target share with Teddy Bridgewater, but you know you have to make adjustments when a different quarterback, especially stylistically, takes over. So again, the offense still wants to run the football, and again, that's like another path where you can see Jerry Judy failing here, where if they control the game with Javante Melvin gordon and then. I mean, Denver wants, ideally, like, for Drew Locke to never throw the ball <laughs> at all. Right, <laughs> like right. that's, so, and that means Jerry Judy's going to hit the under. So I think four receptions is too high. I mean, he's, he's got to catch five balls. For, that means he needs to see five accurate passes <laughs> from Drew Locke, which I think that's asking for a lot. So I'm going Jerry Judy under four receptions.
0: And I know Judy has been hitting that number, but like you said, that was with Teddy. And it wasn't like he was just completely balling That was the most frustrating part for me about the Teddy experience here. Like, yeah, it's annoying that Cortland Sutton and mostly Tim Patrick aren't getting anything going, but I could live with that if it would mean Jerry Judy just balling out week after week after week. Nothing's been happening in this passing game. Maybe Drew Locke can at least make it entertainingly bad. So Jerry Judy under four catches, Cordero Patterson over 47 and a half rushing. As you heard it from the prop prophet himself, Andrew. We made it through 16 of these, we got more on the way week 17 and beyond but in the meantime everyone can find your work at pff.com as always you grind you work hard even in the christmas season you just put on a holiday sweater because you know let's keep the vibes positive football fancy football start them sit them buy low and sell high target based and high value opportunities fancy football ranks waiver wire pickups and his dfs cheat sheet will be out there before too long all that and more from andrew erickson on pff.com anything else you want to get off your chest my friend
1: Oh, guys, just, you know, have a happy holiday. Enjoy the time. Enjoy the games. We've got games all over the place. Who knows? Maybe we'll have Tuesday Night Football again. Oh, like, uh, we don't really know. Don't put and, that out know, there. <laughs> and remain fluid, you know, especially with those season long lines, It's tough out there because, you know, you could look at your team be like, oh, I got all these starters. Next day, you have none of them left. So uh, enjoy, you know, just enjoy enjoy the games while we have them. That's what I'll say.
0: Yeah, I blame everyone that was talking, you know, i saw all you in like week 12 oh elijah mitchell he is the league winner like you know let's go back and look at that week one fab again like just victory lapping. you guys couldn't have waited like another six weeks i blame you all for the injury and this is not this is not me saying it was a bad way of our pickup i don't want to get into that but i blame the victory lappers whenever anyone gets hurt so for andrew i'm ian please don't victory lap and cause our players to get hurt it's week 16 for the love of god but you know Hope you guys all have a happy holiday season. Andrew and I will be back with some injury goodness on Christmas Eve. So for Andrew, I'm Ian. Thanks again. Until next time, take care.